Todd! Yeah. What's up, man? It's been weeks since I've heard your voice. Yeah. Yep. How have you been? How have you been? Good. Good. Good, good, good. Hanging in there. You know, working hard. Got it. God said anything interesting lately? So, yep. Yep, yep, yep. How you doing? Doing good. Certainly enjoying my vacation from the Great Reset. I think I got back like eight hours a week at least. Just like dropping oh, a wow. class in the between the, the video and the phone calls and uploading the podcasts and writing blog posts. It's a, a good chunk of time. So I haven't. I uh, still do a little bit of blogging, uh, and I talked to David Huffman, uh, but that's really about it. So. Um, but no, it's been good. It's, it's been a bit of a vacation. It's been uh, a little bit of a quiet season at work, too. So I'm hanging out with the dog and the kids, and we watched the new Crudes movie last uh, Sunday. What, so that was what, fun. what movies did you watch? The new Crudes. You remember Crudes, the caveman movie? Um, the new Crudes movie? Here, let me. I'm, I'm out and about. Let me turn my. Yeah. The new, like, Tom Cruise has a new movie? No, Crudes. C R O O D S. Oh, the new it was an animated, movie. animated oh, okay. Stone Age oh. movie. Oh, okay. But oh. yeah, well, that's actually oh, just okay. yeah, yeah. Watch my son who's Yeah, my son. Uh, it's hard to get him to actually sit and watch the big TV rather than his personal device. So the fact that he was willing to watch that movie with us as a family was a big moment. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How our standards changed. <laughs> <laughs> we used to want kids yeah. to not watch TV. Now we're like, you watch TV with the family. That's yes. a big victory. <laughs> Watch a big TV like, rather than a small one. Yeah, I mean, like like The Simpsons, right? The thing I'm doing is always like, oh, The Simpsons are so pathetic, all four of them sitting on the couch staring at the TV all the time. And it's like, I long for the days when all of us are sitting on the couch and looking at the same thing. Yeah. It's a novel experience. <sighs> the, the other nice thing uh, I was thinking is that uh, my daughter... Um, uh, is now old enough and uh, opinionated enough to help me buy uh, flowers for Valentine's Day. Really? Because I'm a right. Because but yes, I mean she's she's ten. She's been doing it for a few years now. But like I'm a complete wreck when it comes to flowers. Like I have no clue what to buy, how much. I have just no sense for flowers. And so my daughter comes and goes. Okay, we want this one. It should be this high. It should be these colors. It's like okay, I have an opinion. I can I can work with that. Wow, and, uh, that's great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really quite uh, wonderful. I mean, she gets to feel useful, I get to feel less incompetent. And that was actually kind of the question I wanted to ask you, uh, was what can we get God for Valentine's Day? What can we get God for Valentine's Day? Yeah. I don't know. Did you ask your daughter what she recommended? <laughs> My son often has good. So, the thing I've been thinking about, uh, well, uh, I don't know if you've been following the chat thread, but I uh, really enjoyed Eric's question about, you know, what are we doing and aren't we just trying to replicate what was done uh, in the Gospels or in Acts? And uh, this phrase that I think you've brought up 
couple times before is, well, God wanted us to do greater things. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy. I'd be happy if we were able to replicate what they did in the gospel and Acts. You know, at least that's a starting point. Yeah, I mean, well, I say, I think maybe it's not. That's that. That's the funny thing, right? Is that, um, like for me, the big thing about what I learned from working with Eric and um, uh, Robbie about discovery Bible study is, you know, things that work in traditional society don't really work the same way in in weird Western cultures. And there's this this thing where you can't kind of go over the same path again. I mean, it's worth a try. I think people have tried it. It doesn't really seem to uh, be getting the results we were hoping for. And so I keep thinking about what are the uh, what are the things that we could do that we could give us more of what he wants, right? And one of the really interesting things that one of the, the weirder discipleship experiences I've had in the last year has been this dog trainer that we hired to keep my older dog from attacking the younger dog. And the main thing that she's been working with me on is that my dog really loves me, but uh, she pointed out that's not really love, that's codependence. And it yeah. never occurred to me that this would be a different thing for a dog, but it's true, is that my dog wants me to solve his problems in order to avoid having to mature as an individual. And that she's been forcing us, and we've been doing this last few days, of uh, like not giving him what he wants, what he whines, like forcing him into uh, learning how to calm himself, Deliberately, like last night, we had the thing where my wife held the treat on the counter and my dog was freaking out because he's desperate to get the food. And I had to sit there with my, or stand there with my foot on his leash for like 30 minutes before he calmed down enough to where she could give him the treat. And it seems almost yeah, yeah. barbaric and cruel, but like, how else is he going to grow? And it yeah. occurred to me, you know, for Valentine's Day, well, the thing, well, one thing that struck me about the dog is that, you know, in pop culture, and certainly in the movies, uh, there is not a lot of distinction between codependency and love, right? Infatuation, obsession, uh, codependency, it, it's all kind of called love, and rarely do you get to see the difference. And I thought about this with me and God and what I want from God. And it occurs to me that, you know, I'm not sure I understand the difference between actually loving God and merely being codependent on God. Okay. Are you with me here? Is this making any sense yeah. to you? Yeah, because like I think um, that, you know, like, yeah, sorry. I don't know, keep talking. Yeah, so the, because um, I think like we, it seems like we spent so much time, and it's, it's certainly important real work to get people to believe in God, to get people to trust God, to get people to believe that God loves them. Like, these are really important, hard problems. But, like, it's kind of sobering to realize, wait, we can do all that, and then they just end up codependent, and we can't tell the difference. And I'm thinking, huh. Um, 
you know, like when we say God is love, a lot of people think that God, you know, is what they call boyfriend Jesus or vending machine Jesus, right? He does whatever we want and gives us whatever we need, and then they can understand why there's pain and suffering in the world. So the um, the, 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 the image I keep coming back to, I think I told you about this before, was uh, John, the beloved disciple at the cross. I was talking about him with John McClements as well, how, you know, why was John sticking with Jesus when all the other disciples had run away? Uh, you know, the women were still there, but all the, the, the 12 ran away and one betrayed him. What was John there for? Um, and he was the disciple who Jesus loved. He had affection yeah. for Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think that, and I'm not sure what the order of whether that's because he was beloved or whatever, but I think that, that was, maybe it was like, it was just love. You know, it wasn't like he had any grand visions about resurrection and triumph and salvation and all this stuff. I think his brain was probably as messed up as all the other disciples were at that point. Everything that happened. But I think he just loved Jesus for Jesus. And he just wanted to be with him. And he didn't really care about all the promises and the miracles and the kingdom as much as he just cared about Jesus. And you could take all those things away. And he says, I don't care. I just got to be with Jesus. And I'm thinking that would be a nice Valentine's present for God, for Jesus, is if we could learn or at least start to learn how to love him like that. Um, um, okay. I had a second thought, which may also may connect with you a bit more. One of the things I remember you said once was how um, you want to sort of, and I'm not sure how you meant it at the time, I'd be curious, is that you sometimes you feel like you want to just get all the repenting over with so we can get on with saving the world. Ever saying something like that or thinking something like that? Well, I mean, I, I what I would say uh, right now, and I probably said something in the past, is you know, yeah, the, the you want to repent, so you, you know, repentance is just taking care of the things you did bad. So you know, there's a reason why you change your mind, and then you go do what you should have done in the first place, or what you want to build towards, you know. Right. And I was trying to uh, kind of wrap my head around that because I look, I look at repentance a bit differently, but I couldn't figure out the right way to, to talk about it. Because like certain, like on the one hand, certainly like just sitting around, you know, groveling around your sins doesn't really do much good anyway. I mean, I don't really think of repentance as, in my mind as something that we sort of stop doing or get beyond. And I was thinking that, as I was trying to kind of wrap my head around, I think maybe 
what we could maybe both get behind is this idea that we need to keep seeing God more clearly. So it's easier for us to recognize where we're falling short. And so in that sense, it's something is like the, the, the problem with repentance uh, is that it, it can become very self-focused, right? On me and my sin, on what's wrong and what's wrong. Whereas um, I've been playing with the word realignment is that we need to kind of keep course correcting to make sure we're zeroing in on what God has for us. Is that resonating um, at all? Oh yeah, no. I mean, I yeah, I, I yeah, I, I definitely agree that we need to look to Jesus and make Him the standard, and you know, otherwise we just end up running around in circles. Uh, right. And we need to keep looking to Him, you know, like yeah. I think that that's kind of what I want out of repentance, right? Not as an end of itself, not because like sin is this this thing that I want to waste my time worrying about, but I want to keep getting closer to Jesus, closer to his purposes, closer to his relationship, closer to his character. And uh, one of the the other things that I've been, you know, pondering um, was well, actually, when we talked with Eric about the greater things, uh, my devotional today was also out of John 14, uh, about I and the Father are one. And maybe they'd be one with us as we are with the Father. And I realized that, I don't know if you heard this, I kind of grew up with the gas tank metaphor of love, or even of the Holy Spirit, that like God fills us up like a jar, and then we pour ourselves out into others, and we leak, and this and that. And, um, and there's some value in that metaphor. But I realized that one of the problems is that uh, we spend a lot of time focused on getting filled up, right? Because that's the way that we, I mean, even our church model is you get filled up on Sunday and then you kind of pour it out during the week. Um, I don't know if you grew up with that metaphor, but that's kind of where I've subconsciously thought about it. And I think that's why sometimes it's easy to get very self-focused. Like, am I getting my needs met? Am I feeling alone? And certainly it's important and healthy that we don't like just pouring ourselves out because we burn out. But I've been, when I was wrestling with that today, I was thinking like maybe it's more like an electric circuit. Like maybe the love of God is not a static thing like water or gasoline. Maybe it's a dynamic thing like electric current. And that... Um, the love of God is something that's supposed to flow through us to the world and back in like a complete circuit. And, you know, if we have too much resistance, then we burn out. But, you know, the goal is to basically increase the flow of God's love through us and, you know, identify the resistances that we need to remove to make it more efficient, but also to connect more and more with with the rest of the world so that more of God's love can flow through us. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good metaphor, yeah, you know, that, uh, you know, abiding in him, comparing mm. abiding with uh, with the completed circuit. You know? If you abide in him and his word abides in you and, you know, he and you, you and him, yeah. Yeah. You know, and getting and then, away. I mean, even the fact of being able to serve, it's not like we're giving back to him. 
I mean, vocally, they're, you know, I mean, not, that, not, not, not that we need to demonize that, but it, it, even that's further grace, you know. Oh, wow, I get to, I get to even serve him now, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, close the loop. I mean, when you, going back to your original question, what does God want for Valentine's Day? I mean, you made it very clear in Matthew 25, you know, and throughout. Like, take care of the least of these. Care for right. them. I think, Show kindness. Yeah. Right. So, while that is true, it, it, the, the the thing for me, I was, I was thinking, like, how do we, I realize that I think um, as important as that is, right, but there's also First Corinthians 13. If you do it all without love, then you're just a clanging jaw and a noisy symbol, right? It has to be... Well, he was, yeah, done. I mean, Paul is just clarifying the proper way to take care of them, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah but, to, but, but, to show but, true but, love but, to them, you know. Ah, okay, this is the thing that... Um, if I could understand or if we could connect on this, I feel like it would be important and significant because I feel like I've been stuck on this. Um, last time we talked, I forget if it was on the podcast or not, uh, when I was sharing about how I felt like you were like taking my pain seriously, and you shared a story about how your basketball coach would, you know, challenge you to really toughen up and how you would uh, do that also, where you figure out the ones that's able to bear the pain and the ones who should suck it up. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't think you understood what I was trying to say from by the way you okay, framed it. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and try and clarify for me where you're trying to, where you're trying to go with that? Well, I mean, I, I had plenty of dysfunctional coaches. Um, uh, I think I was trying to share about a moment that, um, I mean, I wanted my coaches to push me harder because I wanted to win. I wanted to succeed, you know. So I wanted to coach with ambition, and I wanted them to push me further. I didn't want him to, you know, like like uh, like when my high school coach would visit me in college. I really respected my high school coach. We had a great great chemistry between us. You know, he watches me playing. You know, uh, I wanted him to tell me what I was doing wrong so that I can improve. And it was, uh, for me, there was a point in my life where the Lord really spoke to me and kind of changed my my understanding of discipline. Like, you know, when I was, you know, you, you think of discipline, and every time discipline is mentioned in a spiritual context or in a church context, it's always like you're doing something wrong and he's got to, you know, you know, it's always a negative thing, like correction, like you screwed up, your hand's getting slapped. And I just felt like the Lord just even changing my name, my, 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 shifting to a different definition of that word to, of, def, of, of disciplines. Like I want to be a disciplined person. I want to be self-disciplined. I want to have discipline, you know? And, um, you know, it was a very much more of a redemptive thing. I want to be corrected so I can improve as a player. 
that, uh, that's that's kind of what I, I think I was sharing the previous time. So. Yeah, so um, I'm still confused. And I think maybe it's because when you frame it that way, I still don't see much of a difference between law and grace. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, law... Uh, well, grace, grace, the law is good. Grace gives you the power to, to be good. It gives you the power to fulfill the law. Not like the law was ever meant to be a bad thing. So, you know, we now we keep falling short and we can't make it and you know we need power and that's where he gives us the power and helps us and gives us our identity and you know what is our identity in our identity is in him he loves us we're his children it comes from him it's by grace nothing we yeah, can okay. do to earn it or deserve it Right, yeah, I think that's for me where the, the coach metaphor fell down. And I think that's actually really helped for you to clarify that point for me. Because uh, when you first said it, it almost sounded like the purpose of grace is to help us fulfill the law so we can do the right thing. And what I'm hearing now is that, you know, is, is more like the purpose of the law is to help us realize our need of grace so that we can embrace and recognize our inheritance as children, as dearly beloved children. Yeah, and then the dearly beloved children have have the power to love others, to love God and to love others effectively. Yeah, and I think that that is the... the Which is the law. I mean, the law was just telling you how to, you know, was intended to tell you how to love God, but you know, without Jesus, without the cross, we're not able to fulfill it. Right. He's but I think short. the yeah, uh the you know, like one of the pictures that I uh say I was watching a really cheesy uh Jackie Chan movie, uh The Spy Next Door, where he's in love with his beautiful neighbor and she has these three bratty kids. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I see yeah, that. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, the, the metaphor breaks down a little bit for the work of me here in that, that the reason we love the poor, the reason we love creation is because, you know, we love the bridegroom and these are his children, right? It is that we're not loving the poor or doing all these things to like convince him to marry him. But because we love him and he loves them, we want to enter into that love circle. Yeah, that that's that that sounds great. Yeah. Because we want to please him. Yeah. And because they're made sense. in his image. There are right, you yeah. know we, to, to love him is to love him. Right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So the um shifting gears to the practical. So a thing that I feel like where we got where I got stuck in since we got stuck in a great reset was is that we have lots of great pieces, but I feel like we never really closed the loop. And in particular, I feel like we got a lot of bogged down on what do we need and what are we feeling and what do we think. And we didn't do a great job of connecting to Jesus. We did at points. I really appreciated these communion and some of the other moments we had. But I, I would like to, I want to try and find a practice where we are uh, connecting to God and each other. And so I don't know if each of those I've shared with you, but I've been playing with a version of GBS I'm calling Discipling by Jesus which is very similar to what we do in every Bible study of really focusing on Jesus and the word and spirit and then the body and the blood. Um, and I think that, you know, there's only something that I'm hungry for some more time, you know, just connecting with Jesus and hearing him speak in my life and thinking with others around that. Um, the piece I'm still not um, uh, sure how to put this in there is that, and this is, I don't think we're going to resolve this, but I want to bounce it off of you, is that, like, it's always best if a group can have a shared mission, uh, because there's something that's told that they're really pouring into and investing in together. Um, the hard thing is that, like, when we're not geographically co-located and we don't already have the same vision, that it was really hard to um, converge on something that didn't meet some people feeling left out. And sort of, um, the one idea I had, this is just kind of a random idea, uh, was that is we have like a kitty where we say we all chip in 10 bucks or whatever at the start of the, the session. And then like one of the goals of the group over this like seven week season is to figure out what is the thing that we can do together with this money in order to uh, address the thing that God is saying to us or something like that. So there's at least a shared decision. Um, and I don't know if that's the right one, but the, um, um, and I may be rambling at this point. So I don't know if you have any thoughts, reactions, interest levels. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, a shared kitty, I love that, but, um, I'd much rather dive into something. I'd rather much, I'd much rather dive into something that requires, you know, more than what more than just a small amount for all of us yeah, you know, yeah. the hard part is that you know, I, I cannot figure out how to start with a random group of people and get them to converge on a big sacrificial thing i mean if you start with the sacrificial thing and you gather people around it then i can see it 
right? And um, well, what's your sacrificial thing that you're passionate about that you're working on? Making valentines for Jesus. What? Making valentines for Jesus. Okay. Well, what's that? I mean, what? The. I mean, it really is uh, cutting up hearts, right? It's it's just the sense of. Um, from my perspective, uh, we've lost our first love of God in the church, and there's so many other things that compete with Him. And it's not like we don't love him, but it's that it's it's one among many things we have going on. And you know, I just think it's sad, you know, that Jesus is all these people who love him sincerely, um, including me, who um I'm really very good at it. And a lot of the traditional markers of loving Jesus, giving to the poor, attending church, memorizing scripture, like they're not bad things, but they're not the same. They're not Valentine's Day friends, right? They're the sort of things you do around the house. I I don't know. I mean, I, I Jesus in Matthew 25, uh, differentiates one of all those things that you listed and puts that at the top. Which was? How do you take care of the least of these? How did you show kindness to the least yeah. of these? Yeah. So in, in my experience, Ed, and maybe you can differ from me, it's fine. And I found heartfelt serving of the poor to be a trailing indicator of the love for God. Like when people are full of the love of God, they do go out and they connect and they serve. But I've also seen the opposite. When people just go through serving the poor, doing the soup kitchen, doing the food pantry, doing this, um, it becomes just another work. Yeah, I think, uh, you know. Well, yeah, the communists would be the so. best Christians on earth, right? The communists care more Other about who? the poor. The communists care more about the poor. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, the communists killed more Jews they, they, than the Nazis did. I'm not saying they did a good job about it, but you know, the communists, their fundamental political philosophy is that the most important thing, period, is to take care of the poor. Right, they at least try uh, to have. I, I, I mean, maybe that's so, and maybe that maybe the, maybe yeah, the Marxists are going to rise up on Judgment Day and condemn the Western Church. I would not be surprised at that. Uh, maybe, but, I wouldn't um, be surprised either. But my point is, is that it's not healthy to make that your God. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Making it yeah, my God. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. I'm just explaining what Jesus was saying in Matthew 25. And where yeah. he's basically answering the question, how how come he, he he's the the whole chapter? I mean, it starts out with five, you know, with a parable. Half of the virgins make it, half of them miss it, you know. And uh, uh, what, what what you know, what's the difference between the two of them? You know, how come some of them made it, some of them didn't? 
And then he goes on and, and, you know, the next parable is about those who invested what they were given and everyone's given a different amount. So, you know, he makes it clear that he's not judging you by the quantity of what you do, but whether you're investing what he's given you in love or whether you're reacting in fear. And then he explains what love is. You say you love me, I'm looking at your works. Right. And if you're so tribal that... and if it's in what's in it for you, I never knew you. I can tell that you loved me by what you did to the least of these. Did you care for them? Did you reach out to them? So. Right. So, and again, I'm not sure if we're disagreeing, but it feels like we're not quite connecting and I'm not quite sure why. Because like this, you know, because obviously you can't have one without the other, right? We both agree that that's unhealthy, right? If we're just focused on loving Jesus, we're not loving our neighbor, we're liars. And if we're just loving our neighbor, but we're not loving Jesus, then we're hypocrites. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he, you know, then then everyone agreed with him. Then he gave a parable that didn't test the first half. It tested the second half, pushed the right. limits of that. and says, this is what it means to love someone. And he basically was shoving in their face their, their, their racial prejudice, <laughs> racial, cultural, tribalism. Right. Yeah. So the, yeah, the... I guess maybe the question is, which end of the rope do you push on? And the short answer is you can't really push on a rope. Right. Is that like, yeah, yeah this is the acid test. But, you know, it's not clear. So, huh, maybe, maybe we should start with Matthew 25 then. So here's the practical next steps uh, to see if we can reach some uh, things. So. Uh, as I mentioned, I wanted to do a design summit on this Saturday or this weekend to, to see if we can agree on a format and a content for a, uh, a Jubilee season. Um, I don't know if the, I know the Great Reset people have been meeting on Tuesdays. I don't know if they've come up with anything concrete yet or if they're still in discussion yeah, phases. The, the, um, uh, let's see. Uh, Eric, Bill, David Johnson, Ted Hawes, and Emiliana have met, I guess, mm -hmm. two Tuesdays, and, uh -huh. and uh, uh, Emiliana has been working on a, well, we, uh, they're, they're working on emissions, visions, values, and uh, Emiliana agreed to take the point as far as wording it, um, and okay. then I challenged them to answer two questions, basically, what do you want out of it, you know, what's your desired outcome, and, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. So the um okay, so God bless her, we'll I guess we'll find out what happens tomorrow with that. Um so the thing that I'm interested in is is coming up with emotional practice to use during Lent to really focus in on the heart of Jesus. And I think the thing that 
if it were possible, I would love to be able to do is find something that reflects my understanding of the heart of Jesus and your understanding of the heart of Jesus, right? About the sonship and belonging and also the heart for the poor and, you know, uh, holding us to that standard. And um, I guess the simple ask is, do you have any time this weekend to do a, like a devotional Bible study thing, trying to look through, say, Matthew 25 or whatever, to see if we can kind of agree together what God's saying to us? So this weekend, you want to go through Matthew 25 and see what the Lord's saying to us together. Yeah, doing yeah, doing a DBS type thing. Um, possibly, yeah. Like, how long do you think you would want? Uh, so I blocked that too. So I, David, I talked with David Hussman, and we we agree he's fairly flexible but we thought about trying to block out two hours on saturday morning 9 to 11. and the idea is hopefully we'll be doing like the study for like an hour and then we will have some time to sort of debrief and say okay is there something here that we could actually uh roll out for use with other people um yeah so you'd want you'd want from nine to ten uh, let me get back with you on that. Okay. So yeah, I'm um, asking for nine to eleven, but you know the the um, the devotional will be from nine to ten, right? Right. Well, it, it's all it's all part of the same process, right? This is sort of um, doing a sorry. In my head, at least, the way it is, is this is a thing that I would like to do more of. So I have a format, as I often do, and we we use the format focus on the content of Matthew 25 or some subset because I remember that being a really, really long yeah, chapter. I, I don't know what the days of Lent are, but I'm planning on participating. You know, I'm part of the 40 days of hope and that's the 40 days leading up to uh, Palm Sunday. So I'm, yeah. you know, I'm planning yeah. on doing yeah. lots yeah. of stuff February 17th. there. February 17th is Ash Wednesday. Uh, so, okay, that's the beginning of Lent. Yeah, that's the beginning of Lent. That's the beginning of the 40 days of the Palm Sunday on the Western calendar. Um, but so, yeah, so uh, whether or not, you know, we end up doing anything larger and whether or not you're available, I think just having you present and setting this together would be really helpful. And so. Uh, well, I, I, but, I mean, I'm definitely planning on, I, I'm definitely going to be very active those days. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still forming my plans as to what I'm going to do. But, you know, I mean, my response to all of these things is let's begin by praying and laying the groundwork of prayer. You know, let's be a praying people, you know, prayer and uh, intercession. I mean, to me, when you talk about, like, what's the church missed it in caring for the poor? Well, I get different answers from those people you know and i see people i mean I, I don't need to name names but um you know a lot of churches seem to be it's like it's an add-on you know it's yeah. uh something they do and i think to be honest you're doing that as much for yourself and how that makes you feel as you are doing it for them 
Um, which doing it for how it makes you feel isn't necessarily bad, you know, like sometimes you have to do whatever it takes to sustain the effort, but, you know, where I see the, the shift we need to make is, I was explaining this to somebody, like, Oh, uh, he was talking about his community. Okay, I was, this, I was explaining this to a pastor in um, uh, in California, up in Fort Bragg, and he had gotten excited about, uh, you know, and he was at our prayer retreat, um, and he got really excited through the whole time. You know, we prayed, uh, the repentance that touched him, and then when I shared the video about uh, R3 and you know, holistically taking care of the poor, building housing addressing their needs, you know, empowering the inmates to build the housing so they get trained. He got really, really excited about that. It just just spoke to him, and he wanted to do something on his church's property. And, uh, you know, so then he met with the church together and, um, you know, and the community, leaders from the community and beyond, and and I've walked them through the process, you know. Yeah. Of course, it's always easier said than done. but he sent me back and he asked all these questions, you know, what should we do? And, you know, there's questions of, should we start a drug rehab place? Do we want the drug, do we want people who are dealing with those issues on the church property and all that? And, um, you know, my input to him was that his job as a leader is to clarify the vision and, you know, Otherwise, you're my first piece of input was otherwise you're going to be running around doing a lot of things, but you're not gonna really hit the critical mass. And then, the my second piece of input is for you as a leader, you've got to get the people to come to the place where they own the need. Like if they're, they might not be the best people to run a drug rehab center. They. The, the best place for a drug rehab center might not be on uh, on the church property. Okay, those are valid questions to ask. But there's yeah. a fine line between trying to find out the best practices and the best way to reach a need and from what's known as not in my backyard, not newbie. <laughs> newbie, not right. in my backyard. NIMBY, it's yeah. It's like NIMBY, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and until you come to a place that this problem is our problem, these drug addicts are our kids. This has to be addressed. We cannot tolerate that anymore other, or take the name of Christian off of us. You know, stop saying we follow Christ. Until you realize and you take that place of ownership, uh, the buck stops here. This is what Jesus died for. This is what I'm compelled to do. This is not what I have a choice to do. You know, this is what he's calling me to do. And really understand that. Until you come to that place, and that's a place of desperation. That's a place that comes out of, you know, brokenness and repentance and a revelation of the cross. When you get there, now you ask those questions and you can expect God to speak. But until you get to that place, he's just going to keep telling you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You'll get a strategy. When you're in that place of not really understanding his love for you and what that compels you to do. So, okay. 
So what I'm hearing, Ted, sorry, are you still going? Okay. No, no, you can talk. No, because I think this is the thing that I think where most of the Christian leaders I know trip up, which is they hear something that breaks their heart, and then it becomes their vision, which is good as a starting point, right? But then uh, the, the cross, and the, it's not enough to get people who believe in my vision, right? I mean, we can do that, and that can work. But what we really want is for people who feel the heart of God, right? Where they, where, they, where they say, this is the thing that Jesus has, not for him, but for us, right? Where they are connected to Jesus and that they are taking ownership of that vision. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, the, that's the thing that... Um, that um, I feel like you and I haven't quite gotten there yet. We're like so close that we love all the same things and we want all the same things, but we haven't quite managed to mesh around the heart of Jesus. And I have discovered that a lot of Christian organizations struggle with this too, right? That either people are pulling in different directions or people are kind of along for the ride as long as it's comfortable. They aren't really like uh, and, and the thing that occurs to me is the way to get the, my belief what it's worth is that people have to encounter Jesus themselves. Right? They can't just hear about him or take somebody else's word for it. They actually need to encounter Jesus and understand God's love for them and God's love for the other and how they're all connected. And, you know, from that place of security and vulnerability, really be able to launch into these things that prove that, you know, we have the love of God in us. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And and then, yeah. then, you know, the challenge of a leader is to let give the, you know, move the people along. But I mean, from the oh, point no, no, of no, a no. follower, Ted, 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 Ted. This is this is I'm going to play the bill card here. It's like, no. That's not the job of the leader to move people along to fulfill his vision. That's the job of Jesus. The job of the leader is to help people see Jesus and encounter Jesus and help them see Jesus speaking, help where Jesus is speaking into their heart. Yeah. And that's precisely yeah. the problem I mean, I'm trying I, I, to I, I was going to say, that, that lead is, that, people yeah, along yeah. and keep pointing them towards Jesus. Yes. But, but here's the thing that I have found, and maybe you, I don't know if you've seen this, is that we have these great men of God who have received an incredibly powerful vision. And their focus is on getting other people to embrace their vision. The Soviet one As opposed to using that as a starting point for helping other people get their perfect vision of God, however it aligns with it. And 
like you know you and I are trying to do here, listening to divergent visions to see where we need to enrich our own vision of God. And that's why we have so many freaking silos in the kingdom of God today. I would love to unite around Jesus. And that is something that we don't have a lot of great role models for. You know, I, 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 uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot of great role models. I'm just confessing my narrow slice of the world. Yeah, I know you have. You've had bad experiences. Um, but I mean, to no, say I, we don't I, have a lot no, of great role models. Of people. Strong will lead. I mean, there are like, you know, I gotta give uh, what's his name with the call a lot of credit for that because I think that was one of the great or the send, I guess, was the latest version of that. That was a great counterexample of a lot of really strong willed leaders uh, with their own very powerful ministries really agreeing to be yoked together in service of something greater. Uh, I think yeah, that was, yeah, was and they yeah, came together and they had an event and then, then they moved on, you know, so yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't perfect, but it was still a good moment. And what's come of right? it?
Well, I mean, Jesus said, uh, who's going to entrust you with what's your own unless you're faithful with that which is another man's? I don't know if they're different. I mean... Okay, I'll go to the I hope that my, my, my son, my daughter, my children embrace my values, okay? Embrace my vision of who God is, what the world can be. Like, because that is essential and it's far better for them than embracing the values and vision of the world. But, oh, dear God, I hope they transcend me. I hope they don't stop. I hope they know Jesus better than I did. That they express the brilliant, unique thing that God has given them that is beyond anything I can imagine. And, like, sure. Yeah, no, of course. That's my dream for my children, too. And And that's what I mean. It's like, is that the... Like spiritual fathering is an important thing, and there are people like you know I'm still a spiritual father to David Huffman, you know, 30 years on, and maybe that's because of our relationship. That's the way it's going to be, and that's fine. But the um, they're not the same thing. That's my point, and we don't. And I don't want to confuse the two, even if they're both important. And because I feel like a lot of people have no concept of of a discipleship beyond human spiritual fatherhood. Yeah, no, the whole there's a lot of whackness out there around spiritual fatherhood too. You know, a lot of people talking about it, but not not everyone is not quite a few less who are actually doing it. And what does it mean to do it? Yeah. So anyway, yep. the the so the small ass. Is this Saturday, 9 to 11, come by for some DBJ format study, and I'll try to find it's a... It's virtual, five right? We're on, we're on, yeah, we're on it's, Zoom, it's all, right? It's all, it's all Zoom, yeah. We may have some couple people from Southern California. Who else? I don't know. Uh, Bill's already signed up. I haven't advertised to the rest of the group. Uh, I don't have a Zoom link yet, so if you can come, you can host it. If not, I'll hit up Robbie. Um, about it and uh let me know what you think but anyway something else this has been a really helpful conversation i'm glad to connect with you and hear your heart and be challenged and i appreciate that okay all right well blessings on you and i'll let you know yeah father i just bless ernie lord i bless uh lord i bless uh all of our friends Lord, and we want to love you more. So give us your heart. Father, show us what uh, you're doing and how you'd have us partner with you, Father, and serve you better, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If I get ambitious and post this, are you okay with that? Excuse me? Yeah, I guess so, if you'd like to, sure. All right, I'll see if I have enough energy left. God bless you, Ted. Thank you. Okay, all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.